When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our TalkSport daily show. This is Sam Matafei sitting in for Jim as I join Simon in the studio. We look back on Sevilla yet again winning the Europa League at the expense of Jose Mourinho and Roma. And we question whether Chelsea should sell Mason Mount, even if it means strengthening a rival. And with Tottenham reportedly interested in appointing Ange Postacoglu as their new manager, Simon explains why he likes the Australian. Okay, uh, Sevilla won last night uh, on penalties, a record seventh Europa League uh, success, beating Roma late into the night. This game went on well beyond 11 o'clock our time, well beyond midnight in Budapest. Did we witness the very best and worst of Jose Mourinho? They got the goal, sat back, defended for their life and it didn't Mm. quite work. I mean, you could make the argument, never was there a ruder pest than the fellow that was in Budapest, can you? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you know, the bottom line is Jose Mourinho. Did we see the best of Jose Mourinho last, uh, last night? No, not particularly, because his team didn't produce an outcome. It wasn't the most compelling of games in terms of their ability to t- and take the game and win it in its own merits. And I don't think, I don't think there's anything commendable. I'm a, I'm a Jose Mourinho fan. I always have been. Defended him against the backdrop that he's a busted flush, he's a dinosaur, that he's had his course and run his course. But I don't think there's anything particularly palatable. Everyone knows that emotion runs high. Mm. Everyone knows that football survives on emotion. But there is a line that you don't cross. There's, there's a line that you, that, you, that you go up against and you push back and you suggest that referees could do better in decisions. When you start accusing them of bias, when you start saying that they're yellow, yellow, yellow because ultimately it's a Spanish leaning that the referee had, you're taking the game and you're basically taking it to a place and space that it shouldn't be taken to. And I think that you, you expect frustrations and you expect managers to be exasperated. Of course, he's had his little sideways barbs at, at Daniel Levy. He's not lost a European final. Uh, and so with that in mind, he comes at it with a certain perception. The problem is with these managers in this day and age, and you've got to build them up, but you create little monsters because you pay them at levels. And you know what happened with Mourinho, who needs to be sanctioned for this outburst? Mm. Because we're trying to build up a currency and a culture where referees are more valued in the game. And whilst referees should be held accountable, they need to be built up as a profession. We need better in class, and we need people being of a certain standard to be developed and patronised and supported. I, I, I thought what he did in and around the pitch was probably over the top. Yeah, I thought what he was. said after the game in the press conference was over the top. What he did was. in the car park was, was nothing short of shocking. Yeah. This is what he said. The f- is 
A little flavour of him being what's he, filmed what's he been doing? swearing. Coached by, was he being coached by Tyson Fury? I mean, it was uh, it was extraordinary, really, wasn't it? And he tried to sort of go over towards the referee's mini bus. They're supposed to be in a protected area. You're not supposed to go anywhere near them. Yeah, he's not on. It's not on. I mean, we all have emotions run high. We know that. But there is a point where you step from one reasonable level or pushing up against a line and you step over it. Is it a distraction now, technique? Well, how do, who's he distracting? Well, I mean, from, from the fact that he that the, the club have just lost a European final, he's lost the first one. Is he just trying to make another headline that doesn't focus well, on I the fact that he it, didn't go and try I, I don't know game? if it's as Machiavellian as calculated as that. I just think it's a, sen- a sentiment that's being built into football people that they have an ability and an, an opportunity to say whatever they so please. Now, if he gets consequence... Dollars for donuts, he'll throw his toys right at a pram and threaten to leave football. What should what should happen to him? I think he should be consequenced for his behaviour. Stadium ban, long ban? I think they should I mean the stadium bans are just laughable because they get to sit in the stands. I mean this idea that Jurgen Klopp was in some way punished by sitting in the stands, no doubt picking well, the same well, side and coaching that's it. That's a touchline ban, but a stadium ban would mean he's not allowed in the vicinity well, of the Well that's what I think should happen to people that are not are ultimately banned from the touchline. They should yeah. have a stadium ban. I also think they should be taken out of the, the ability to be able to work for a week and should be able to train the players or touch the players because that's the, what the consequences of behaviour like this should should merit. I'm not in the camp of suppressing the uh, need to have strong emotions but there is a discipline that you need to deploy you want your players to respect referees on the pitch you don't want your players getting involved with dissent and getting themselves sent off so what you do is you take it to another level we have all had adverse decisions in our life we've all had to accept frustrations we all know that ultimately football managers think they've got a license within reason or not within reason without reason sometimes to be able to say what they want but Josie is going above the line here and it's and, and and there needs to be a takedown of guys like this. Okay, you like him. You've got I a lot like of respect him. for him. I do. But I think he did something else last night that would, as a former owner of a football club, irritate you. Which is when he said in the press conference afterwards, yeah, I, I want to stay at Roma, but my players deserve more and I deserve more. I'm tired of being the manager, the director of communications, the face of this club when we have been robbed. Well, I'm not sure that would particularly annoy me. I would just think it was a sort of nonsensical babbling of an over I deserve more. Well, My players deserve more. I'm fed up of being in the face of this club. But they genuinely believe that at times. If you look at football players that are on £100,000 a week, they look at their mates on £150,000 a week and they think they're underpaid. It's a culture of entitlement. It's a culture of excuses. It's a culture of liberty-taking. That's what football has. Alongside that, it's a beautiful sport that we all love, right? But if you peel back the scene sometimes and actually got to see what was going on behind it, you'd go, "Mm, I'm not sure I'm actually that fond of you. His outburst wouldn't particularly bother me. But there was another part of it where he talks about the players and the club don't actually want to be in the Champions League or shouldn't actually be there because they're not ready for it. I'm, you may have the yeah, quotes yeah. there. And that would be the part where I'd be going, oh, really? Really? Danny Friedkin sitting again? Really? Josie, but you price this in. You you price it into your thinking. You're not, you're not employing balanced... Um, rounded individuals as football managers you're, you're, you're employing rounded football people but that's a difference between a rounded person in, in the society and a football person that lives inside a bubble that thinks they can say what they some, want some football managers are balanced individuals though aren't they not, I mean, they're no. all the same when I say balanced they are balanced within the realms of football but you right. lift them outside of football and every now and again you see them right and we can relate to them you can go I tell you who's balanced who speaks a language everyone can understand Steve Cooper 
Yeah. And people of that nature. Because you go, I'll tell you what, I could meet him in the street and it'd be the same sort of fellow, not affected by the outcomes of this rarefied world that football does, which means everybody wipes your backside, gives you what you want, gives you excuses when you don't do something, and ultimately gives you want what you want all the time. And if you don't get what you want, you throw your toys out the pram. And when you get something going your way, it's all to do with you. And when something goes badly, it's all to do with something else. That's, also, a, that's almost the extreme version is Jose Mourinho in that sort of sense, isn't it? That everything is to do with him, whether it be good or bad. But some of that is useful. Some of that is some of that, like you said at the top of the conversation, is a deflection tactic that ultimately makes it about him. And there was a necessity. The reasons why Sam Allardyce rocked into that first press conference and said to everybody, "I'm as good as Pep Guardiola. My experience is as good as them. There's no one got more level of education about the Premier League than me." Was because he wanted to make a statement to that dressing room. I'm the biggest voice in here. You will pay attention to what I tell you. And there is a need in this day and age with footballers because we're all in the room. In order to be able to man manage, you have to be bigger than that dressing room. And Jose Mourinho. Most of the time, is. Be interesting to see what happens to him next because the rumours are that he's going to go to PSG. And if that is the case, you'll certainly need some sense of bravado and some well, big. He doesn't lack it, does he? He's got, he's got he's full in of In order to be able to boss yeah. around uh, uh, those big personalities in that particular uh, dressing room. There was another quite worrying situation last night. I don't know if you saw some of the videos from ticketless Roma fans yep. who were uh, filmed illegally getting into the Pushkas Arena. They're squeezing two fans at a time into one entrance gate, presenting a single ticket. I think jibbing, we call it, on the London Underground. Don't Is that we? right? Um, I wouldn't know. It's not a practice. I involve myself in Sam Matterface. Oh, you don't get on the... You, on the, uh, on the you don't do you? know my travel arrangements. <laughs> I was carrying a big did, bag of swag on a boat yesterday, so why didn't you nick him? Did you get the Underground today? Yes, I did. Did you? I did indeed. <laughs> that shuts you up, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Uh, but interesting to see uh, what With they my do butler. in terms... <laughs> In terms of how they manage um, these events going forward, because last year we had the Champions League final, which was a, a, yep. a mess. We're all a little bit concerned about what happens in Prague, just because it's just a small venue mm. and with so many. See, Ray Winters has been going. making constructive observations, isn't he? I haven't seen that. What did he say? Yeah, he's talking about the nature of the event and how little it is uh, in terms of your, the planning of it and what stadium do they think was going to be there and why do they do they, who they think's playing in this Warsaw versus South End sort of attitude. Probably because Ray has to pay for a ticket. Yeah, well, listen, it's uh, we're, we're doing it live on Talk Sport. We're all going. And it's uh, it's one of those things where you, you think we're probably going to have to do as much reporting outside yeah. the ground as you are going to in because we want to know how they're going to handle it. I'm Apparently, all, there's I, more police that are going to be outside the ground than there are going to be supporters of either. And club that may in well the be the case. And it may well be a necessity. I'm also in the camp that whilst I'll be quite happy to take a cricket bat to UEFA. I'm also of the mindset that there is individual responsibility for the stadiums that wanted these tournaments, that get the benefit out of it commercially and economically, yeah. that aren't policing it properly themselves. But no coincidence that uh, the, the big incidents have happened at the final of the champion, uh, the, the, European the European Championship, Championships, uh, the Champions League, yeah, but the, the European, Europa League the, final. The European Championship. The UEFA is the common denominator let's, here. Yes, it's part of the common denominator. I'm the first person to go after them, but we also have to equate the nuance to it. We've got a village idiot of a mayor that didn't want to get involved with policing this particular event properly at the European Championships. We've also got situations where on-the-ground intelligence and the nature of these people's events, UEFA can do so much, but it's also the individual responsibility of the stadiums themselves and the people that wanted the events in those stadiums. But they are the governing body. Well, they are the governing body. Of course they have. But if if you sit in a a control meeting with the stadium people and they say, well, we're going to police it to this level and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do that, and all of a sudden system failures on their part, yes, of course, in the end of the day, if the Home Secretary does something wrong, the Prime Minister takes the rap for it. But the bottom line is, in this instance, I also think that the stadiums themselves are not geared properly. They're not doing their jobs properly. 
Yeah. They're not doing it. And of course, of course, UEFA should then up the ante and make everybody work at a 20% higher level than they want to work at because that would then budget for the, for the deficiencies that seem to be manifesting themselves. Just to back up what you're saying as well, it is worth pointing out that since the European Championship final, there's been a reluctance on the uh, Met Police's uh, part to allow big football matches, like, for example, this weekend's match between Manchester United and Manchester City to take place later on in the but day. It's not, but they don't have control over it. They have an input into it. Well, it's police, not their gift. The, the police have stopped the kickoff from being after five o'clock. The police have been consulted in the process and the police don't have the jurisdictions to stop it. What happens is you have a mutual cooperation mentality which finds a solution that everybody can work with. But you can't kick off if you don't have the requisite policing. Of course, but the police themselves want these operations because it's a secondary revenue st- stream. And don't be under the illusion just because the, the police officers come on here and say, no, it's not. Part of the overtime that the police get paid is through the enormous revenues that football clubs pay for either full recovery, which is policing every aspect of the facility and around the streets leading up to it, or in stadium stuff. So yes, you have to find spirit, but I can tell you, having done it with police officers, they tried to dictate to me at certain times what we wouldn't do and what we would do, and they got pushed back. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Let's talk about uh, Chelsea and their hierarchy. Have they got concerns over um, other teams in their area of the table trying to pick off their players. Kovacic possibly going to Manchester City, apparently today. Mason Mount, it's been reported, has agreed personal terms with Manchester United. Why on earth would Chelsea be happy and willing to sell one of their better players to someone that they'll be competing for a Champions League place with? Well, they probably don't include Mason Mount in that particular characterisation. Well, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Bearing in mind he's twice their player of the year and last year was well, only second to assist to Alexander-Arnold. Because you were player a year previously, doesn't carry on in perpetuity, does it? Well, it was, it was, it's carrying an injury this year, which is well, the reason he hasn't uh, performed. And that's fine. And clearly they've got a view on things. And to answer your question, you might disagree with that view. Mm. But if their view is that he isn't one Quite of their best players, actually, then your view is academic, isn't it? Because, yeah, it because is. if they don't think that he's one of their better players, <clears throat> we can all bark at them and say he is. <clears throat> if they don't, it'll explain the reasons why they're less concerned about him going to other football clubs. Would you trust their judgment? If I was availed of all the facts that they may be, mm. and if I was availed and abreast of all the circumstances in which they're making these decisions, then maybe I would be. If Do I was you- sat there looking at Mason Mount thinking, I think he's a decent player... Um, but I don't think he's spectacular. If they think they've got something better in the locker, and ultimately Mason Mount is asking for £250,000 a week and I don't want to pay it, and this is my last opportunity to resolve the situation, to command any sort of fee, I'll take all of those factors in. I'd look at it and go, do I worry about my competition? I believe I am the competition, so I don't tend to worry about the competition. So I don't really care, within reason, what other people do. I will, all I will be able to control in the end is there's a passage of time and an inevitability about it. If I can't get a deal done with him, he's gone in a year's time. So he'll be, be- he'll be two. benefiting, or two years, he'll be benefiting my opposition at some point. The only thing I have at this moment in time is some control. And if I don't worry about those sort of things, or have the necessity to worry about it, I've got two years left on my contract because I thought it was one, I would do neither and the player would be staying at Chelsea and doing as he's told. Uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United all interested. Successive <laughs> uh, Chelsea managers have picked him in the team and the England manager thinks he's great and always includes him. Would that give you an indication that maybe the majority of people at the top end of the game are thinking that he's probably worth a part of well so if you want to make this about so here we go if you want to make this about Todd Bowley and we want to characterise it there's somebody else making the decisions in comes Mauricio Pochettino they've pleaded begged cajoled and persuaded Pochettino to come in so if you live in the world of Narnia where you think Pochettino turns around to Bowley and says but I really want to keep Mason Mount and Bowley Mm. says no you can't then you're away with yourself what Gareth Southgate does is an irrelevance as far as I'm concerned because he doesn't win anything 
What Chelsea's job is to do is to win something. Maybe Gareth Southgate wins, you know, Principal's Waistcoat of the Year award, but he doesn't win tournaments for the English football team when we have opportunities to do so. There's so not many he, people that have, though. Well, really. I don't care what other people do. You brought him into the conversation, so I'm talking about the analysis around what you suggest needs to be done with Mason Mount. Now, going on to the equation of Mason Mount and where he goes and what he doesn't do, well, look, I'm not suggesting if your characterization is it's Bowley, then you are discounting the value of Pochettino. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> well, in one be. sense saying it's anything to do with well, Pochettino, just if, if Pochettino, Bowley. If Pochettino wants him... Well, that's not true, because as I understand it, as soon as they appointed him as manager, the first thing he did was say, let's try and get a deal done for him. But well, by that time, I think Chelsea <clears throat> caused too many problems and disrespected him, nothing, and he decided not, he didn't nothing, want to do nothing it. Nothing is unresolvable. Don't live, in some really? si- don't live in some silly world. He's got so many options. Why, is it, no, why does he have to got, take it just because Chelsea well, offer him a new contract now? Right? One to do is he's got two options in this instance. Yeah. One to do as he's told and one to do what Chelsea allow him to do, which amount to the same thing, because he's got two years left on his contract. So with due respect to the player and due respect to the football club, if Chelsea want to retain him, then that's what they will do. Now, if they want to retain him in a happy frame of mind and a balanced frame of mind, then ultimately they'll find a solution that makes him comfortable with the finances that he thinks he's entitled to alongside what Chelsea think he's worth. And with that in mind, that will be the likely outcome. Now, with Pochettino, again, if you think that, that nothing is nothing is unreversible. Uh, I tell you what clears people's minds and concentrates the reality and makes everybody feel better about themselves. Money. It, it, it changes the direction of people's thinking. If they suddenly went back to Mason Mount and said, you know what, you're absolutely right. We're going to give you 250 grand a week and we're going to give you a, a one-off bonus and backdate it because we've been piddling about for But that's months. the issue. They haven't got the money, have they? Because they're, they're concerned about the FFP because of the no, no, amount no, no, of money no. that they've no, spent. The, 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 listen, the wages are what the wages are. What you're then equating it to is a transfer obligation upon them to try and meet the financial fair play situation they've created for themselves. Don't forget they've, they've, they've bedded some of that down by long-term contracts, which have reduced mm. the depreciation side of things. So they haven't got the same impact of depreciation that other clubs will have when they've got players being bought for 50, 60 million quid on four-year contracts. Yeah. So they've factored some of that in. But they right. also have, uh, haven't got the money that <coughs> would usually come from the Champions League or the Europa no, League. No, and, and ultimately, they will have to make certain decisions, whether it's Ruben Loftus-Cheek, whether it's Callum Hudson-Odoi, to be able to bridge some of the gaps on the depreciation criteria that they've got. I, I, I think if they want Mason Mount... In the same way, if they wanted, you could you could make the same argument about Antonio mm. Rudiger when Tuchel was in control of the situation. He didn't seem to be too bothered about keeping Antonio Rudiger, did he? And I, people were suggesting he was the best. I think it actually is just had. one year left on his contract with a, with an option. But uh, well, that was my thoughts. Ultimately, if you're in a situation where you think you've got a saleable asset in your Chelsea at this moment in your time, you spent so much money. Yeah. Is this a sort of just an identifying of this is the guy that we can get the most money for, and it's pure profit because he came through our academy? Well. There could be an element of that, but I would think that they're going to get... If they get into the Champions League next year by having a fully geared team, which I think they will, and Mason Mount is a component part of that, they will get as much from their success as they might get from the capitalisation of the transfer fee that they get from Mason Mount... Um, when they sell him mm. because ultimately they're still going to buy players this summer Pochettino's not walking into a football squad that he thinks is the fix for everything that he needs he's going to want a centre forward isn't he we already understand there's a centre forward lined up that's going to cost them money I think the Mason Mount conversation is twofold it is a one year contract so they've been brought to a situation where there's no real timelines for them to be able to deal with it in a way that they might want to this option is it in favour of, of the player or is it in favour of the club it must or, be in favour of the club I suspect yeah it usually is so Chelsea it? are in control of their own destiny and who, and who doesn't think they are is uninformed media Nkunku, you mentioned, who is coming in for Chelsea, so there is going to be at least one more signing. And as far as we understand it, they are looking around to strengthen that squad yeah. in certain areas, as they would be anyway. Kovacic could be leaving. But you, you, 
he could be going to Manchester City. And as you, as a, a former owner, you must have, have thought about this when you were selling players, or would you think about this when you're selling players? If the selling it to a direct rival, someone who's competing in the same area as the table yeah. as you, if you were going for promotion, let's say from the Championship, and yeah. you were up against someone, uh, I don't know, let's say Sheffield United, would you sell one of your best players to that club? Depends, bearing in mind depends you know upon you my reasons for doing it. Depends upon how. Again, you're characterising Mason Mount as one of their best players. If they don't characterise him that way, that then defeats their argument. If you look at the argument that some people say, what in God's name would Man City help Arsenal with the Sinchenko well, does, and Jesus? Does, does Mount make Manchester United better? If your answer to that question is yes, then you're strengthening them whether you regard him well, as a, a key depends. player in your team it or depends not. It depends how he plays for Man United and what system they play and how he settles in and ultimately how he reacts. There's a whole raft of if and or buts. I think it probably would strengthen Manchester United, yes. <laughs> but given you're in a situation where you've only got a certain amount of jurisdiction because time is not against is against you, what would you prefer to do? Sell the player commercially to a lesser football club that will pay lesser money or sell it to a bigger football club that will pay more money but ultimately might put you in a slight position of jeopardy which would you back I don't know in that equation but I would also look at myself and go what's my strengths weak opportunities and threats all of them are reduced transfer fees obligations to the player the consequences of my decision making process or I back myself I really don't care what the opposition do hard edged hard nosed hard to beat outspoken with White and Jordan Right, OK, let's uh, move on to uh, what's happening at Tottenham. Is Ange Postacoglu the answer to Tottenham's most important managerial appointment in recent history? I did sort of tease it with the word, should Daniel Levy put a ring on it? That was because there was a Beyonce concert at the mm. Tottenham Hotspur I know, last night. My, my girlfriend's game. Really? Mm. Good? Good. I don't know. Is I'm it? not a Beyonce fan, so hopefully I she'll like it. I, 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 I thought it would already happen, didn't it? Uh, no, no, they've got concerts all this week. Have they? Oh, right. Yes. OK. Did you not get an invite? I did. Did you? Mm. You turned it down? I'm not a Beyonce fan. I got Daniel asked me if I wanted to go to Beyonce. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> Daniel asked you if you wanted to. I wonder why he defended him all the time. I'll I give think. over. because he's your mate? Do with it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did, did, did he give yeah. Michelle Because I'm good? crazy in love with Daniel, with Daniel <laughs> Levy. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, dear. That's uh, the writing's on the wall for your credibility mm, now. That's okay. for sure. Uh, that was a Destiny's Child reference, just in case you missed it. Yeah, very good. Uh, right, OK. Um, what do you think about Ange Postacodoglu going to... Uh, 
uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Is that a possibility? I think obviously anything would wait until after the treble I'm, had been completed. I'm an admirer of his. Um, I was an admirer of his when he first came through the door. There was a lot of reticence about who and what he'd managed because ultimately if you look at his back catalogue before he landed in Celtic, he didn't produce you know big hits in terms of the, uh, the, the size and scale of the clubs that he'd been involved with. I spent some time uh, listening and talking to Gordon Strachan who raved about him and said wait and see what he does when he gets to Celtic. Mm. One of the first games that Celtic played, uh, myself and Jim were up at the Old Firm Derby um, in uh, Ibrox and the first game that they, they actually lost to Rangers on and I've been nothing but impressed with him since that point. I think he's a very capable football manager. I think often with Antipodeans, you get this culture of, a, of an ability to engage and deliver and concentrate the minds of their charges. So I'm not surprised he's been successful at Celtic. Now, stepping from Celtic into Tottenham, do I think he would improve Tottenham? Yes. Do I think he would square the circle of getting them to the holy grail of being able to deliver something? I'm not sure because it's a big departure from managing in in. Uh, one hemisphere of the world, landing in Celtic and running in yourself into a two-tier football league um, and not being overly competitive in Europe where the standard of the European competition would be up there with the standard of the Premier League and they didn't excel Celtic in that space. But I think he's well worth proper scrutiny and consideration. Whether Spurs are doing that, don't know, can't speak to that. But I wouldn't sit there and go, whoa, hang on a second, no, 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 where are you going? You're shopping in Poundland, you need to be shopping somewhere else. No, I think he's a, a proper football manager that is more than capable of taking the next step which will never to be a step that he takes at some point to the Premier League you saw his reaction after the game you saw his addressing of the fans it doesn't look or sound like he's going anywhere but this would be a, just a sort of stop down the ladder wouldn't it because they ruled off um, Nagelsmann they ruled out well Enrique. you say that but they that's, ruled but, out Slot but you say and now that. they've come to Ange Postacoglu no, but, but you say that now you, you've got to take all of those conversations in isolation you've got to look at the Arnie Slot one and look at the reality of what might have happened there and how the manager may have gained the system to leverage a better contract with Feyenoord because at this moment in time he's developing his own wow Wow, that, that, that's quite amazing, though, isn't it? To sit there and think, actually, do you know what? I'd rather work at Farnall with a better. Well, do you know what? Some with, man, with, with a, with a, I'm with not a making excuses for Daniel or Tottenham rather than go to Tottenham. Well, no, who that's, are playing that's, in the biggest that, league in the world. That's you characterising that. Not everyone has to be Graham Potter and jump out of the, uh, jump out of a very good job into one that's going to be very difficult. Not everyone has to take the opportunities like Marco Silva leaving Watford and going into Everton and finding himself out of a job in eighteen months with a reputation damage because it probably was the wrong what move. What would you do? I would look at it in all of its rounds and decide first of all. If you go to Tottenham Hotspur, what are you going to be managing? You're going to imagine a Premier League side, whether whether you like it or you're not, you're going to be asked to compete at the top end of the table. You're going to be given a certain amount of resources, probably significantly more than you're being given in, 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 in Holland. So with that in mind, I would take a view on backing myself, but I would also want to understand what it looks like. What does success look like to the owner? Does it not worry that all these managers have sort of not been interested in taking the Tottenham job? Would that not suggest that they're, they're not happy about the running of the football Well, it doesn't club? worry me because I'm not a Tottenham fan. But does should it worry, it worry Tottenham, Tottenham fans? fans? Insofar as that these managers and the way that we are characterising the outcome is that Tottenham were desperate, they were hot to trot and the managers were not. Right, so you think after 55, nearly 60 days of no Antonio Conte yeah, that so they haven't what? spoken to anyone? I'm sure they have, but I'm sure they'll make a decision when they think they're ready to do it, not when they've got a, a ticking egg timer from the media saying, well, we need to have this done because I, it won't look like I heard they spoke to Luis Enrique and he thought he did a good job, but they didn't. Well, well, there you are then. So there's a, there's a recharacterisation. So their view is there's an answer to your question. I mean, how they, can they Spurs turn down Luis Enrique? Well, no, no, but that's not the way you framed it. You framed it. <laughs> the conversation was all these guys are turning Spurs down. Now we're finding a different part of the conversation where Spurs are looking at top end managers and going, no, thank you for us. So you don't know that wouldn't have been the case with these other guys. Negelsmann is not a straight line. I mean, out, out by Munich for a reason. 
difficult to manage by having relationships with people in the media that are saying things about the internal workings of the football club they shouldn't be saying. All of these aren't perfect things. At the same time, as at a certain stage, what I think Spurs need, it's a really basic and a really obvious saying, what Daniel needs is someone that embodies Klopp. In, I don't just mean in the fact that he's producing outcomes now because Klopp didn't produce outcomes at, at Liverpool for two and a half years. He got away with a $64 million ivory smuggling smile right? because everyone liked him and then eventually they won. But what he, what he did was he brought the fans with him. He, brought, he accepted the fact that Liverpool didn't have inordinate amounts of money. They had to sell players to buy players. Mm. He accepted all that. He bought into it and he built a team on the back of it. And the fans came with him and all of a sudden there wasn't an issue with FSG. FSG were the perfect owners. And Daniel needs someone like that. Now, if you get a 35-year Nagelsmann in there that's not, that's not learnt the way to manage up, not learnt the way to be able to understand the mechanics of a football club, you might find yourself in a hotbed of trouble. But you've got a 57-year-old who's coming in or could possibly come in once they finish the job with Celtic would he fit the profile of what Tottenham wanted when they first issued the brief after parting company with Antonio I don't know Conte. what the brief was a young exciting up and coming was that manager. what their brief was yeah that was their brief they they, they made it age sensitive did they well, I'd be, I'd be bloody amazed if Daniel Pigeon he said it in his statement okay well, that makes it age sensitive which means you're only going to go to one certain type of manager depends what you consider young if you consider young by the nature of Roy Hodgson or by the nature of Sam Allardyce, <laughs> then by definition he's going for a young manager. We can manipulate it however you like. Well, if that's we can, my point. If we compare it to the king, he's pretty young. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. He's a, flea, he's a little baby. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's an age-sensitive thing. I think it's the right manager. <sighs> I think it's the right person to bring you to a point where you're absolutely doing what you need to do. Now, I don't know. I mean, if, if there is a view... If the view amongst the management fraternity is they don't want to work for Daniel Levy, then you'd be right, and the Spurs fans would be right, and Daniel Levy is the problem. But Daniel Levy is part of the problem until he affects the solution, isn't he? I can tell you some breaking news. Um, according to uh, TalkSport sources this morning, Celtic are bracing themselves for the departure of uh, Ange Postacoglu. Was expected to step up their interest in the well, What do you think to it then, Sam? After this weekend's What do you think to it? Rather than ask me and put me on the spot, tell me what you think of the Ange Postacoglu Do you know what scenario. I think? In truth, I think they've bungled the, the situation at the end of the season with Tottenham because I think if you dismiss a manager or allow a manager to leave at that stage of the season when top four was still a realistic option for you, I think that you've turned down, you basically negligently turned down the opportunity to qualify for Europe because they were in pole positions to finish yeah. in the top four places or at least the top six and they haven't done that because they didn't appoint someone when... But if you can't find somebody in that allotted time span and I can tell you factually... That there was no agenda from Daniel Levy. He wanted Conti to stay to the end of the summer. I, he, he, I, I, I sat, I sat that, at him with the Spurs Nottingham Forest game and go, why are you putting up with this fella? But, he said, because I don't want to provoke him. I'll leave him alone. I'll let him do what he wants because I believe we're better off with him getting us to the top four. And then Conti decides, oh, I'm not getting the rise. I'm not getting the reaction. I'm baiting the bear and I'm not getting a reaction. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll set the whole damn place on fire. But you've just spoke to the fact that he's volatile and combustible mm. and they didn't want to poke him because he could end up at walking away. But knowing that that was a possibility Possibility. I would have thought they had something in the back of their mind that if he did walk away, there would be a safe pair of hands to see them well, like the end of the season. Well, not this. No, like, they, they, well, didn't like, have a, like they didn't have Chelsea a plan did. either. But the difficulty, no, I, I, the I difficulty don't think is, like Chelsea was just you, as bad. The difficulty is that you've got, you've got at this moment in time of a, a rarity in football. You've got more demand than you had supply. Mm. You couldn't find managers for Southampton. You couldn't find managers for Leeds. They were getting desperate. You couldn't find managers for Chelsea. You couldn't find managers for Tottenham because people are looking at the football world slightly different from a management point of view. Yeah. And, they, and they take their time. And, and they, won't take, they, they won't take jobs in the middle of a season, especially high-profile jobs where they're going to be tainted by another guy's legacy. I don't think it's right, and I think they should be able to overcome it. But, but I think there's said, a lot more nuance to it. And, and going back to what you've just said there, and I do think they bungled the replacement of 
Conte and I do think they've missed out on Europe as a result of that and that's cost them a lot in terms of their status and uh, their European ambitions for next season they, they won't be able to play in Europe next season but I think after missing out on slot they were are never going to get Nagelsmann uh, Enrique etc etc I actually believe that Ange Postacoglu is probably one of the best options that they could get Postacoglu I think Ruben Amarim at Sporting is a very good is manager is it a good well. option or is it, the, is, it, is it or is it the way you're positioning it which is well you know you're feeding in a certain pond right so it's the best you can get well they are feeding is this in a the certain best outcome? pond well they are they're not in the top six well, now are they they're not top six feeding in a certain, but they won't never be feeding in Chelsea's pond no. they'll never be feeding in Man United's pond they're unlikely to be feeding in Man City's pond yeah. so it's, it, there's nothing wrong to some extent with the pond that Ch- Tottenham are, fi- are, fi- uh, are fishing in it's the same sort of pond as some of the other clubs that are in around the periphery of the top four will be fishing in Newcastle included welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation Outspoken with White and Jordan thanks for listening to Outspoken don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50-80% to less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.